0: And welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to follow your passion and purpose. My name is Kitty Waters. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of ATL Europe Group. also the creator of Kitty Talks. Our mission is to inspire a generation of changemakers to follow their passion and purpose and make a difference on the planet. All our interviewees have been carefully selected and you will hear amazing inspirational stories of people who have listened to their little voice and followed their purpose. They will reveal bite-sized tips and success secrets that can help you to fulfill your passion and purpose on the planet. Be sure to head over to kittytalks.com and sign up for our exclusive club where you can hear behind-the-scenes footage. These interviews will inspire you to take action. Please like and share so others can have the courage to follow their passion and purpose too. Good afternoon and welcome to Kitty Talks. Today I have with me the funny Brad Axelrad. Hi Brad. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. Brad is a consultant, speaker, he's a spiritual adventurer and tour facilitator. He supports coaches, consultants and other visionaries to leverage their fear, freeing them to create the impact and lifestyle they desire. I'll put my teeth in for this episode Brad. Brad <laughs> thank you so much for joining us because you're all the way in Costa Rica.
1: Costa Rica. It's really, really great to be here. Mucho gusto, everybody. And what's
0: it like? What time is it in Costa Rica?
1: It is 11.02 a.m. I'm inside in an air-conditioned place, and it's probably 90 degrees and beating blue sun today in the middle of winter here. So this is summer.
0: Wow, that sounds scotch very hot.
1: <laughs> it's pretty hot.
0: Well, I'm excited to have you here today, Brad. We've been like catching up just before we spoke. There's some real parallels in the work that you're doing and the work that we're doing this side of the world. So uh, you show people how to face your dragon. So tell us more about that.
1: Let's see where to begin. So the transformation always starts from massive pain, I believe, right? Like we all have something that we have to face or something we're afraid to face, something that we've already faced that sends us down this path of self-discovery. and inquiry. So for me, I mean, that really started as a young child. Of course, we all have our trauma and drama as a kid. I've taken that life experience and the hundreds of events I've produced and the 100 plus events I've attended and also sort of packaged that into what are the things in my life that are relevant to create this cool brand, Face Your Dragon. And I grew up around hundreds of dragons. My mom was a dragon lover. uh, Yeah, I never got the correlation of dragons, you know, and I've always loved Avatar and How to Train Your Dragon and Joseph Campbell's work. And so it's kind of a culmination of all the transformation I've both received and shared with the world and the life story of racing motocross and how that was, uh, you know, it's the number one most physically demanding sport on the planet. And I was almost professional. I was literally teetering on becoming a pro. And that was kind of when I stopped it. That was totally a next level to go pro. And yeah, faced many dragons on my own and now I help others do the same.
0: Fantastic. And what we're really interested in with Kitty Talks is getting people to tap into that inner force to help them follow their passion and purpose. And sometimes that's not always obvious. So I'd love to understand a little bit more about your journey. Like, how did you end up doing what you do today? Like, take us back to the little childhood, Brad. Um, (laughs) Is it motocross you said you did when you were a kid?
1: Yeah, I'm going to take it back before that. That was more young adult and, you know, high school on, like 16 on, you know, it's interesting in the podcast with Barnett Bain, I believe, where I'm sharing the pain of, and Barnett produced What Dreams May Come, one of my favorite movies, and he's one of my favorite humans, but, and you know Barnett as well, but I, in the interview, in my podcast, I'm talking about a story of how I'm sharing with my mom, this is kind of funny, my mom lives at a nudist colony, they're nudists, it's kind of hilarious, I'm Not. not, and I'm not. To that. She, she lives in one now. Wow. So I was on her deck at a nudist colony in Northern California and I'm sharing, I'm going, mom, I remember being really small and young and I'm explaining this doctor's office vividly and perfectly. And she's like, Brad, I'm surprised you're able to share this doctor's office. And I'm like, well, no, the drapes look like this, this, the doctor was doing this. I remember kicking this doctor off of me. And she goes, Brad, you might have been two or three years old at that age. How are you remembering it so vividly? And so here's the point. When we have massive pain, it gets etched in our psyche and our muscle and our neural pathways. It becomes who, a part of us, right? So this day was the day that I was getting my eardrums lanced, literally them puncturing my eardrum with a lancer to release the pressure in my ear. So I had always had sinus allergy stuff in my ears and that's actually why we moved from southern california to northern california was to try different allergens in the air or remove me from the allergens one of many reasons but that was a big reason why my family moved so again massive pain understanding that our greatest pain can become our greatest gift if we allow it to be
0: absolutely yeah yeah so you remembered that incident when you were a child
1: yeah yeah and I'm kind of flashing back to that. So healing that, facing that dragon, and, and really naming it and owning that—that—that that, that was a sort of a permanent fixture or a permanent sort of a theme or storyline to my life. And how I would recreate pain in my life. We talked about that with a couple other things. It's like why and how do we keep reinventing and keep recreating these painful episodes in our life in different shapes and forms and sizes. And I always go back to the childhood, like what were the childhood moments that we're trying to recreate neurologically and physiologically and biochemically so that we can pattern match them, right? And get into the same frequency yeah. as yeah. them. And that's, that was kind of the first massive pain that I remember.
0: You think you manifested more painful incidents through your life then after because what happened when you were younger?
1: hundred percent. I think we all do. I think the elements of ourselves that don't love ourselves, that comes from unresolved Or unmet pain or unnamed or disintegrated pain, we'll keep recreating it. Financial challenges, relationship challenges, physical challenges, whatever it is, right? So it's important to name it, get truthful with it. It's only in the recent years that I finally like own the fact that this tube stuff in my ear, and I've had surgery on my ear, there's a scar here, like I've had recreated the pain by blowing my eardrum out water skiing at like age 17 and having to get that get it surgically repaired. So we just keep recreating the pain in different shapes until we name it and own it and integrate it. It just stays lurking there.
0: When did you first recognize that? Like if you kept recreating these patterns, when was it you became conscious of that?
1: Well, I would say the Hoffman Institute in 2005 was the first time I really understood the the level of depth, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, physically, biochemically, like how that plays out. Yeah. But as you know, and as everybody listening knows, there's layers of transformation. We'll get to one layer and we think we've got it figured out. And then there's just never ending layers of unfolding and peeling back these layers of our awareness and transformation. So, I mean, I'll come clean and say that there was part of me that was kind of disowning the fact like, oh, whatever, I had tubes when I was young and I had this Lance experience in my ear. But truthfully, I think that's played out over and over and over in my life. And it's only in the recent, like probably the couple, last couple of years that I've said that might actually be an issue, you know, this mass amounts of physical pain. Of course, we're always looking at the emotional pain, the, the psychotherapy route, traditional gestalt or whatever psychotherapy route absolutely goes into the cognitive, emotional pain. We may discuss abuse in some fashion, but I find that most people don't say, hey, that time I broke my leg with Johnny down the street riding my BMX bike or tripped off of a ladder with my girlfriend, you know, whatever it is. Like, you never freaking know where there's... We have to check in where these things manifest. And we don't oftentimes in the physical realm. Well, we'll only look at the emotional or the obvious ones. We don't think back to the the less obvious ones.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, we have to become conscious, don't we, of what happened in our childhood to, to be able to recognize what plays out in our adulthood
1: hundred percent.
0: So from there you went on and you became a professional motocross?
1: Semi-professional, yeah. I mean, so I've faced fear my entire life. I've been a downhill skier, a mogul skier, like a really extreme sports guy, jet skiing, water skiing, BMX, mountain biking, street bikes. Like I've always driven fast. I still drive fast. So part of that, again, going back to this unresolved childhood energetics, is that I would do a lot of these, and most people do this, I believe, chase dopamine or adrenaline. Yeah. Because they're pattern matching some unresolved pain in their childhood. So they're both trying to get entrained in it in the quantum field. So it starts vibrating at the same frequency, but also to release the chemicals that are familiar to us, even if they're negative. So I did all these extreme sports, what I call chasing the dragon, you know, continually like, down the rabbit hole. I didn't trunks. do that. Yeah, right? Down down the rabbit hole of uh, drugs and alcohol and just extreme aspects, like living this extreme aspect of my life. Not everybody goes that extreme. Some will go the opposite and be more repressive, where I was more expressive and seeking the chemicals that way. But yeah, motocross. I traveled the West Coast and made a lot of money following my passion and purpose, which since I was a very small child, I don't know, probably eight years old, I dreamed of having a motorcycle and becoming a motocross racer, but mom would never let me. Uh, We can't afford it. Well, that was the conversation. I'm not going to buy that for you. You know, you might get hurt. And I finally bought it. She finally, I'm 16 and I was able to buy it and I did. And she regrets not getting it sooner in my life because it gave me a direction and a focus and purpose. And I like hunkered down and got really committed and very serious with it. And, you know, sometimes we have to, as parents or as, uh, as mates, you know, allow our whoever that is bringing something to us really listen to the driver behind it because what's behind it could be so much deeper than we're giving it credit to. We may disown it out of fear and say, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. Right? we keep people from living their purpose and calling sometimes out of our own fear to protect them, to keep them safe. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. I can see that with your mom. Like she probably wouldn't want to get you a motocross bike because she wanted to keep you safe. But in reality, you know, as part of your life path that you needed to, but then you were chasing this energy by the sounds of things. And is it correct to say that you kind of had a bit of a hedonistic patch? And then from what yeah. I understand, you had a bit, I'm afraid had a bad wake up call with your dad.
1: Let's see. Yeah. It's interesting. In the Gay Hendricks inter- interview, we talk about hedonist hedonic and eudaimonic ways of being and what actually happens when we follow one of those paths, it's actually less healthy to live a hedonistic lifestyle. At the gene level, it's actually, you're less healthy, less antibodies, less supportive chemicals in our body. So it's interesting you bring that up. We're so tracking. It's so great to hear. Um, well, that's,
0: I had the same. I'm afraid that was my lifestyle. I was very hedonistic until I had a massive wake up
1: call. Yeah, you're right. So that defining moment or wake up call is yeah, I was this self indulgence successful guy living in orange county a couple miles from the beach orange county california you know everybody knows it's all over tv it's this gorgeous place pure hedonism in cars in homes in in food like it is the most self-indulgent place i've ever seen absolutely beautiful everyone's beautiful there incredible so that you get that sort of framework right yeah and i was all in i'm driving the 330 convertible bmw and i have motorcycles and gorgeous yeah just Recently single, mind you, and so excited to be single after a three year uh, relationship with my then fiance, and was just full hedonism for a couple years. But I knew deep down something wasn't right, it wasn't working anymore. But it's like you have to chase that dragon. The only way to catch that elusive dragon is to keep chasing it, which is forever elusive. We'll never catch it if we're in this perpetual state of hedonism, it won't happen. So Thankfully, my dad passed in 2005. And I say that now, incredibly painful, massive grief, wailing on the floor in my hallway, begging for my purpose to show up. Just I like I'm almost crying right now from the pain of remembering the intensity of Wanting so bad to be in contribution on the planet and to be of service and to use my body as a vessel at that stage, I had done everything else all the stuff I shared before the skiing, the drugs, the dancing in San Francisco for days, (laughs) done it all, loved it all. It was incredible. I wouldn't take it back, but my deepest heart was calling for my purpose. And it took my dad to die, where I was literally wailing on my knees in my hallway, broken down, saying, Please, God, show me my purpose. And literally within My chills. Look at these. I don't know if you can see. I can feel it. Within ten weeks of that moment, I was on NBC Nightly News, aired out to millions nationwide. PBS, USC News did a piece on us. LA Times, Orange County Register. I was Meetup group organizer of week. Like I attracted all of this media. It's like it showed up because I was asking and begging God, the universe, spirit, whatever, the quantum field to show me my purpose, and it did, man. That level of intensity and energy, it works every time.
0: So for people out there listening who maybe are in a bit of a rough patch with their life, you know, something's not going right. Would that kind of be a bit of advice you could give them, you know, if they are seeking and searching for their purpose, start asking, you know, first of all, why we're here.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great one. What am I doing here? I would. I always recommend everybody do a lot of sobriety and a lot of celibacy if they've got the courage and the strength to uh, stop chasing the dragon it's elusive it's never ending you'll continue to deaden the deaden your senses because we're in pain or in a bad place the challenge with drugs or alcohol or uh, distractions whatever you use to distract yourself sex for me motorcycles snow skiing working out i mean all these things aren't inherently bad if they're used mindfully or consciously or not but most of the time it's better to be a choice than to be unconsciously driven by our sort of distractionary behaviors but so celibacy Sobriety, the first thing I would recommend is just stop any substances completely, even prescribed ones, if you're courageous enough to get off of Prozac, the Paxil, the lithium, whatever you're on. I mean, within reason, there's dietary changes you can make. A lot of it comes from a lot of the emotional stuff we experience is from leaky gut. I'd recommend you take a look at gut healing and candida. Did I answer the question? I feel like I'm a little off.
0: (laughs) Well, no, just how, I'm just, obviously people who are listening, you know, you've gone through that journey of life and you've had all those ups and downs, which have taken you to where you are today, which is obviously helping others face their fears and face their dragons. You know, so the people out there who are kind of lost.
1: I would simply say, lean in more than you ever have. So that's why I'm saying strip away all the distractions, the addictions, like literally face this freaking thing because what's on the other side of it you know, dragons are scary. They're breathing fire. They're intense. And if you've seen how to train your dragon or avatar, yeah. once they realize that if they can become friends with their shadow or their dragon, that they have all this power, they get to ride these things all over the place. And it's an incredible life, but it isn't until they face it. So what I say is you got to find it, yeah. face it and ride it.
0: Find so it, find face it. and.
1: Ride it. Yeah, find your dragon, face it, and ride it. So get courageous. Start asking, like you said, seeking, stirring it up. What is my purpose? What is this pain? What's it telling me? You know, face it by removing a lot of the things that are distracting you from it and numbing you out from it, self medicating, self anesthetizing, and then face it with a lot of pain and a lot of courage and a lot of intensity. There's really no way around it. Whatever that is a workshop, a seminar. I'm a huge Hoffman Institute fan. I think that's in Europe as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then learn how to use your fear. This is the biggest gift, is to actually leverage your chemicals to use all of this pharmacy that we have in our brain that's so incredibly powerful to launch you into your purpose, yeah.
0: And so for you, was that facing your fear of public speaking? Was that kind of what you took the fear into?
1: Yes, what I like to say is that my greatest Fear and greatest worry. And the thing I resisted the most was public speaking. And that's the very thing, thing that set me free. What you're most resisting and most afraid of, I uh, say often, is the very thing that will set you free. So, whatever you're resisting the most for me, moving down here to Costa Rica, I hated internet marketers. I'm like, God, oh, they're so slimy, you know, and, and not all of them are, but a lot of them are. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. Some of them were kind of trying to work you over and get over on you. And I don't care much for that. I'm more of an authentic, honest kind of guy. I was resisting internet marketing and I said, man, if I'm moving to Costa Rica, I want to make sure I've got the internet marketing game dialed in. And it was, wasn't until I really opened up to the internet marketing thing that a lot of my life opened up and allowed me to live anywhere. So,
0: Well, they say, uh, don't they? What, what you resist persists.
1: Yeah, it's a good one. Public speaking, obviously the highest paid profession on the planet. I pray that everybody on the planet becomes a messenger of sorts now that we have this social realm available to us, even if you're not generating revenue from it, but highly recommend you become a messenger, be courageous in your sharing, be authentic and vulnerable in your sharing. Even if you change just one person from a Facebook post, that's creating a ripple effect of impact on the planet. Highly recommend you to step into the public speaking realm, sharing your message at whatever level.
0: And would you say that you were kind of following your intuition at this point? Like once you'd had your kind of big wake up call with your dad, like were you just following what was put in front of you, what felt right?
1: (laughs) Okay, so imagine NBC Nightly News. I mean, this is one of the major news stations in America with big cameras. They were so big, beaming lights. And here I am as this expert, like, <laughs> yeah, who am I to share this message? I'm like going into all of my dragons, all my fears, all my stuff. Who am I to share this message? Who am I to, who am I to do this? So a lot of it was just being courageous, saying the F word, F it. and uh, just doing it. Yeah. And that's something I've learned throughout my life with exposure therapy, you know, with motocross is really intense. There's thousands of moments where you have to just keep the gas on. And that split second of saying, I'm just going to do it. I could crash and break my arm, my back, like we were talking about your neck. I have friends who became paralyzed, are now dead from, it's very dangerous, very risky, and very incredibly fun and awesome. Such is life. The more risk we take, the more courageous we are, the more adventurous our lives are, the more filled with joy they are. We don't stay in the middle. I'd much prefer to have some high highs and have the low lows than not have yeah. the high highs, but that's just me.
0: I've read that somewhere that apparently you choose when you come in what level of vibration you hit on both oh. scales. Some people live a kind of middle level vibration, but other people choose to have the down so they can have the highs. You know.
1: Interesting. Mm. I never thought of it that way that we'd come in with that. Yeah, it's Mm. good.
0: So, when did you start to kind of know what your purpose was? When was like face your dragonborn?
1: Uh, Ah, that's what I wanted to share. I was trying to remember what the point was in the sharing. So, I'm standing in front of a room, just like, wow, here I am, 200 people at my grand opening event. I'm, you know, of course, in my suit. You know, we've got raw vegan food served, and there's an opera singer and a pianist and a violinist. Like, I went off like on this really cool, and my purpose just got literally shown to me it was it pulled me in i was called to be this leader in irvine in orange county california of this community this conscious business networking community i brought in some of the biggest thought leaders and it was like thought and business leaders like that was just shown to me I, I always knew i wanted to be associating with thought leaders so it, you know it was probably in vibrational escrow as like abraham hicks talks about it came in in time it trickled in in time but yeah it led to 200 live events with some of the biggest folks on the planet, you know, the Ali Browns of the world, the Michael Gerbers of the world of e you know, yeah. Blair Singer, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I mean, just huge names producing large scale events, and still had a horrible fear of public speaking, but I owned it because that was what I did. But that was years ago, I stopped producing events many years ago, and was like, how can I create a really stealth kind of outsource only geographically independent business? And how can I take all of my life experience, my messaging, the motocross, mom having all the dragons in my world, Uh, my brother crashing on a motorcycle, almost dying. You know, it took him two hours to get from his bedroom to the bathroom. He was just skinned from a street bike wreck, like things like that. It's like, how can I bring all of these life stories and crazy things in to create a message? And so yeah, so now Face Your Dragon is really about understanding, taking coaches, consultants, speakers, messengers on a journey of facing their fear and finding, finding and facing and riding their fear and sharing their message with the world. Crafting a message that's authentic, that's real, that resonates, that works with all the different personas that buy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it totally correlates to the fact that our life journey is a clue to what we're supposed to be doing on the planet. Like if you look at your life, like all the ups and downs, all the facing your fear that you did, as you said, you've honed that into a message to help others. You now, I do believe that's exactly what happens on the planet. Is we're born into a life and a life experience is to enable us to teach and show others the, the path. There was one more thing we didn't touch on, which I wanted to just touch on before we move on to a different stage. But I also read that you had a near-death experience.
1: <laughs> I'm yeah, not you sure like if it's your near... ups and downs, don't you? Like, well, it's interesting. It. Let's reframe that. I don't know if I put near death in there, but it's. I thought I was going to die, and okay. here's what happened. Well, I mean, I thought I was going to die many times, and and almost have. But this is one time in particular that I literally thought I could have died. I mean, many times on street bikes and in cars and dirt bikes too. But this time in particular, I was getting sunspots on my skin. So. Right. Everyone calls them sunspots. It's actually fungus. To go underneath that, it's actually candida. Candida caused oftentimes from taking too many antibiotics, from not having enough probiotics in our body, from drinking too much alcohol, too much sugar, too much processed food, right?
0: Candida, yeah.
1: And thankfully, a lot of people are waking up to the possibility of what candida is. And I thankfully, I I just did a cleanse, but I think it's come back pretty strong again in me. But here's, which is why I think I'm a little bit exhausted right now. But so itraconazole, which is an antifungal, and I was warned by the doctor that, you know, hey, it's really strong on your liver. So, you know, just be careful. And of course, come and get your liver count tests. And no, no problem. I've taken this before. It was never an issue. It killed it. It went away for a couple of years. It was great. Awesome. Growing up under mom's kind of pill popping right. way of being. Yeah. Yeah. I have a headache. Take Advil. I'm stressed out. Take Valium. I'm whatever. I hope I'm sick. Take antibiotics. So I had taken a lot of antibiotics in my life, a lot of Advil, a lot of other things that would thrash my gut. But the point is this, I took and create the candida. The point is this, that I took the itraconazole. and I'm like, man, my liver, is like the whole side of my body kind of hurts. And I went and got the blood work done. They said, yeah, it's a little high, but you're okay, keep taking it. And I'll never forget this. I was at a Lisa Sasevich event. I was on like maybe day five or day six of these medicine. And I thought, wow, this is really hurting. And I should probably stop taking these. I finally just checked in, tuned in. I'm like, my body is rejecting this horribly. And literally, my liver swelled so big that I felt like my body was tipped up because it was in my rib cage literally so swollen that it took years for that to heal. Literally, it's now five-ish years, four, I don't know how long it's been, about 95% healed. 90% healed. I literally could feel my liver rubbing on my rib cage. That's how swollen this thing was. I mean, I was like, I need a liver transplant. I literally thought I was either going to die or need a liver transplant. And I was really incredibly scared like this. I may have done it this time. My laziness or my ignorance, what I mean by those two things is laziness, just taking pills instead of getting to the root problem, the root cause, right? And then, uh, what did I say? Laziness and oh, ignorance, not understanding the gut, not understanding candida, not understanding that a candida cleanse and symptom managed, like so many of us do, we just treat symptoms, we don't treat problems.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: Western medicine is treat Western medicine. Yeah. So just that right there was one of the biggest gifts. Like, that's it, I'm done. How do I get to the root cause of this and have? Yeah.
0: Fascinating. So that journey, what do you think that taught you? Was there something that you've kind of used or you, you had to face your fear around your body by the sounds of things? Your body literally told you that it was screaming.
1: Well, facing mortality will do a lot. I mean, when you're in that place, sitting in your laying in your bedroom, whatever, just contemplating like, oh my God, is this the end of my life? Did I just, oh my God, can I get a liver transplant? Like, is that even possible? Would I be a candidate for a liver transplant? The thoughts that go through your mind Here's the thing. I want to say it this way. It's sad that us as humans tend to have these awakening experiences, but we kind of forget them unless there's pain to remind us. And I sometimes wonder if I or humans in general keep recreating these painful episodes so that we recognize that we appreciate with what is it without the bitter, it's not so sweet, right from Vanilla Sky, one of my favorite movies with Tom Cruise. I just questioned whether that's a healthy cycle, but also if it is healthy in the sense that we need to recognize that, that life is such a gift instead of having these tragic moments for us to have contrast to realize that, that life is a gift. And um, I'm noticing some sadness right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I can only speak from my own experience, but what I've noticed is the people around me who have had these big, life shifts or like you said they've had to hit rock bottom to come back out you know those people are the people around me that are now teaching or you know they're helping others you know whereas say friends of mine who maybe necessarily have had the 2.4 kids and you know yes. their lives they're going a different path
1: yeah
0: you know most of the people that are kind of in my network have had huge great big wake-up calls or yeah. things that have really you know shaken them from their unconsciousness to being conscious and i think also yeah. like my own feeling is that it's getting quicker the generations before us have done work yeah. and our age are at a certain point but then the younger generations oh my god they're coming in conscious
1: Oh, well, they're they pop, so awake they're it's, it's in awake it's so challenging sometimes to be with millennials or millennials or whatever's underneath millennials and because they're they look at us like <laughs> like what's wrong with you? You don't already know that. It's almost as if there's a lack of compassion sometimes in their awareness, which is interesting too to observe. That's something I've been kind of leaning into lately is, can we as messengers wake people up to their arrogance a little bit? Because there is some arrogance in millennials. I'm just going to say it. Simon Sinek just came out with a great video about that. I'm not sure if you saw that, but really incredible. Yeah? Yeah. Fantastic.
0: Fantastic.
1: Yeah. So, how can we stay humble? The humility comes from these defining moments, for sure. But I'm still trying to allude to the to this point of like, how do we get the transformation without the pain? Is it possible? And obviously, it is. The millennials come in; they're they're already awake. Yeah. But for us, dinosaurs, you know, I'm 44. I'm I'm sure there's people uh, younger than us listening and older than us. Like, how do we get to that place of humility and of self awareness, self actualization, less self importance? You know.
0: Well, one of the reasons or motivations for me doing this podcast was to hopefully stop, particularly my stepdaughters, having to do that crash, you know, because like you said, like, you know, it's really important that we find our passion and purpose to do what we're supposed to do on this earth, but without necessarily like near-death experiences or massive wake-up calls. But you're right, people do seem to, that seems to be the thing that really stays with people and shakes them up.
1: 100%. To your point of the 2.4 kids, you know, I grew up in a normal family, you know, definitely some emotional stuff there, no physical or sexual stuff, but the things that create some scars, right? Yeah. And I think that's beneficial in the end. To your point, almost all of the folks that have had these gnarly childhoods, the tough childhoods, the, the defining moments, the those are the ones that want to give back. But it's interesting, the ones that didn't that had the quote, unquote, perfect childhood without a lot of trauma or drama, they tend to be okay in the middle, I just get bored there. I'm like, oh, there's so much more to life than working for somebody else and having Friday afternoon through Sunday off. I can't even imagine living that I've been an entrepreneur since since 19. Most of those years, I've had a couple of years where I've worked for people and outside sales, which was a little bit entrepreneurial, but I can't even imagine not having freedom in my life, not having the purpose I have. There's no way.
0: Yeah. Well, you chose that path. That's what I believe. Yeah. I reckon you, when you came in, you chose that path for the reason yeah. and your parents. Yeah. <laughs> Brad, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation. You wouldn't believe how many parallels in our life there are. <laughs> <laughs> I will share with you after the interview.
1: <laughs> you don't want to do it now? Now is not the time for that. I got wow. it.
0: Just some freaky stuff you, that you were coming out with. Like, yeah, there's some real parallels, whether it be your or dad's death. Mine was my mom tried to kill herself. And, and I, was wow. like, I was like, show me why I'm here. I promise I'll change. And I was very wow. hedonistic. Very hedonistic in my kind of, you know, twenties and then kind of started to follow a different path, even to the point of you know, patience is something that I'm still trying to learn, really. Yeah. Good luck with that one. <laughs> it's a constant journey, yeah.
1: <laughs> that that up, one's a tough
0: one. It shows up everywhere for me. I don't know about you, but like I do feel it's like one of the things I'm supposed to learn in this lifetime because Yeah. It's the thing that irritates me the most. Like I just want everything to happen now. Like I'm a doer too, and I actually totally. And it's like the universe is constantly trying to slow me down and show me that I'm supposed to go slower.
1: Not by choice sometimes. Yeah, right. Just to just get slammed. and Yeah. So how do we create what we want in life and generate it without destroying ourselves or others or other things in the creation of it? It's not easy.
0: You know, I love it when, when I am slower, and when I take my time to do my self care and everything, because I do follow what pops in and pops up like and when I follow that path, it's great because the synchronicities and the people and yeah, it's something that I consciously have to be conscious of every day.
1: 100%, 100%, 100%. Integrity, so to say some of the five dragons, integrity, abundance, self-esteem, clarity, and strength. It's a lot of what the platform's built around, right? So integrity, honesty, those are the things that really, really matter.
0: And for anyone yeah. out there who obviously wants to know more about uh, Brad and the wonderful work he's doing in the world, we're going to have all his details in the show notes. So you will be able to find him, get hold of him, tweet about him, comment about him. Um, and please, obviously, share this video.
1: Please.
0: Yeah, please, please. Because we would love to inspire others to follow their passion and purpose and face their dragon. Beautiful. Thank you, Brad. Bye so
1: great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm really, really honored. Kitty, thank you so much. Good luck, everybody.
0: Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Kitty Talks. Be sure to head over to our kittytalks.com website. Become a member of our exclusive club and you'll get free interviews and access to our private Facebook group. Exclusive webinars and secret success interviews. See you there.